Okay. What's going on? Hey, if you're new to raw storytelling, welcome. I'm your host, Enid Nolasco. I'm the producer and host of Raw Storytelling, a true storytelling podcast and eh, sometimes live show, not so much lately, where real people share real stories that are uncensored and unscripted. I started Raw Storytelling about almost three years ago. It'll be three years in October. It was a passion project of mine. And I was like, I'll do a couple, a couple true storytelling shows where I live here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And almost three years later, this has been the most amazing and rewarding experience ever to be able to create a safe space where people can share their stories, regardless of the topic, regardless of how raw it is and who they are. They're accepted. It is non-judgmental and it's all about creating community and understanding which is so needed in today's world. Like I mentioned, we are usually a live storytelling show, but due to COVID, that's kind of been on pause. So we're mostly a podcast. We have a podcast that comes out every month. And um, here and there, we do some online appearances, but the podcast is where it is. And if you want to find out anything about raw storytelling, go to rawstorytelling.org or follow Raw Storytelling on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag Raw Storytelling to find out more about what's happening. I am constantly posting updates. So please, please, please uh, stay tuned because I'm always working on creating new things for my Raw fans that are juicy and fun. Like I said, my name is Enid. And in case you wanna know a little bit about me, I'll give a little background. I'm a brand designer. Originally, I worked in the TV and film industry, and then I discovered branding. And now I have the absolute pleasure of helping solopreneurs and small business owners redefine who they are as a brand by helping them develop a brand from naming to launching whatever campaign or services they have. I work with new brands and rebrands, and you can find more about me at therawmade.com. That's the T-H-E raw, like raw storytelling, M-A-D-E dot com. And I'm also raw made on Instagram. Apart from our super raw and awesome stories, we're also known for our two raw to shares. These are anonymous secrets that our audience members usually fill out when they come to a live show. And then I share the really juicy secrets on stage and on social media. For example, here's one that was shared at our last live show before COVID. It says, I took a shit on a hill while my whole platoon watched and fired mortars overseas. Hey, you know, sometimes shit has to happen in the middle of battle. If you have a two raw to share, go to rawstorytelling.org slash two raw, that's T-O-O-R-A-W, or call our hotline 786 361 6112, that's 786 361 6112, and share your secret anonymously. Whether you write it out on the website form or you call the number, it is completely anonymous and I want to hear your secrets so bad. This month's episode is a part two of our May show on the theme lies. We had so many good lie stories, so many people lying. We split it up into two episodes, and you'll hear two stories recorded at our live show 
and I'm going to play both stories back to back. Okay, see you on the other side. storyteller for the night is Barbara Nightingale and Barbara is known primarily as a poet with eight books published by small presses and her poems appear what and her poems appear in many journals and anthologies her memoir husbands and other strangers is looking for a publisher yeah and her story is titled brothers and other lies Thank you, thank you. Okay, so this story starts in um, a Catholic university. I'm asked and I'm invited there to do a poetry reading because I knew someone who knew someone who invited me. And I'm being, I'm being um, hosted in a beautiful little suite in the mother house, which I found out was um, where nuns retire. And the nun, two nuns were giving me a tour of the mother house, and um, it was right before lunch with the faculty, and then my reading to some classes, and my cell phone goes off. And it was a while ago, so back then you kind of answered when your cell phone went off, and the, the area code kind of looked familiar, so I answered it. And there was this guy saying, hello, hello, you know, do you have a few minutes to talk? And I said, no, not really. I'm kind of on a tight schedule here. And he says, well, well, listen, he says, my name is Mike Tarnow. And, well, um, I think I'm your brother. And I said, my father? And he said, no, actually, your mother. My mother? My mother can't even spell S-E-X. I said, what? And at that point, the two nuns sort of tiptoed out of the room, closed the door. They figured I needed some privacy. And I said, well, you got to talk fast because I've only got like five minutes here. So he starts outlining for me how he found me. And he lives in a northern suburb of Chicago where I grew up. And um, my brother still lives in downtown Chicago. And so he's telling me all these things. And I'm nodding my head. And I goes, yeah, it makes sense, makes sense. Cause my mother was always a mystery anyway. And so I said to him, well, listen, I can't talk to you now. So I'll, I'm going to call my brother. I've got your phone number. I'm going to call my brother, and I'm going to have him call you. And then I'll call you as soon as I'm done with my stuff for the day. So I called my brother in Chicago, and I said, listen, this guy's been waiting since 1993. I forget how many years ago that was. And... Um, he really needs, you need to talk to him. I, I think his story is credible. My brother is skeptical. No, no, no. This is my second brother, second oldest brother. So um, he says, okay, I'll call him. I'll call him. So he calls him, and they arrange to meet on the Saturday, the day that I'm flying home from Kentucky, and I'm so jealous that I'm not going to be able to be there to you know, hear the whole story. So they meet in Chicago, and um, they fax me pictures. Back then, it was more fax than email. So they faxed me pictures, and as soon as I saw a picture of this guy, I knew he was my brother. He looked exactly like my mother. So my, which, of course, we never knew about him. So my brothers and I, or almost brother, or maybe brother, and my other brother and I decide that until we have definitive proof, we'd best not tell our other brothers 
I have a formerly oldest brother um, and a younger brother. And my formerly oldest brother is named Michael, and my new oldest brother is named Michael. And I went, my mother named two Mikes, but I came to find out that my mother named the older Mike Anthony. But when he was adopted, he was given the name Mike. Very weird coincidence. So we decide we're not going to tell our mother or our brothers until we find out if the story is true. Because if my mother kept the secret for 67 years, we didn't think she was just gonna up and fess right away. And my other two brothers are kind of mean and nasty, and we couldn't trust that they wouldn't call her immediately and say something really bad to her. So we do a secret DNA kit, which they have to send to me because I live here in Florida with my mother. So my mother's recuperating in a um, nursing home from pneumonia, and I march over there when the kit comes, and I tell her that it's um, just a little white lie, that it was research for my brother's, Stephen's Parkinson's disease. And so she opens her mouth and, go ahead, have at it. So I swab her mouth, and we send it off, and we wait, and we wait. In the meantime, my new brother and I are talking to each other, and we're just sending information back and forth, and he tells me how he found me through a private eye and a psychic who told him to look in Florida, and, um, okay, um, yeah, really, and um, of course, he couldn't find my mother because her name had changed, but he did find my uncle, my mother's brother, whose name didn't change. And my uncle, who happened to have been sent away to live with relatives when my mother was 17, for reasons he couldn't fathom, um, didn't know anything about it. But he said, well, here's my niece's phone number, call her. So that's how he found me. So the DNA kit comes back 99.9% .9 positive on my mother's 85th birthday. So he sends my new brother, Mike, sends me a poem he had written, and I march over to my mother's assisted living, and I sit on her bed, and I read her the poem, and I, she's not, she's no dummy. So she looks at me and she goes, uh, is this a uh, blackmail attempt? I said, Mom, well, well, who'd be blackmailing you and why? You don't have anything. And she says, well, um, well, I don't know, you know. I said, Mom, is it true? I mean, you never mentioned this, is it true? And she just shrugs and she just looks off and she's lost her sight by this point and she just looks off into the distance and then she says, I know. She says, what if I, would it be, you know, I think it would be a nice gesture on my part if I lie and tell him he's found his mother and he's found his, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be a nice thing for me to do? And she's so proud of herself. And I, Mom, no, that wouldn't be a nice thing to do. Is this true? I, she goes, Mom, I have proof. So she looks at me and she says, I don't want to talk about it. It wasn't a nice time. I didn't enjoy it. I don't want to talk about it. And I said, well, he wants to meet you. He wants to talk to you. He's the nicest guy. He's got two daughters. He was raising his granddaughter, who's the same age as my grandson, who I raised. I said, this is just such a coincidence. You got to talk to him. He's really nice. He's married to this wonderful British woman. You'll love him. 
So she finally agrees to talk to him. And then after she talks to him, he, uh, they arrange for him to fly into Florida. And about a month later, he flies into Florida. And at this point, I still have not said anything to my other two brothers, which was killing me because me keep a secret. Nobody ever tells me secrets. They know, I, you know, I was vaccinated with a phonograph needle. <laughs> my family always told me that. So um, he flies in, he meets my mother, and as soon as they're hugging, I know I can, I can tell. So I call my brother, Stephen, in Chicago, who said he wanted to be the first one to tell his formerly the oldest brother. And he had a whole story made up to tell him. So he calls his formerly the oldest brother, and he says, hey, I've got good news and bad news. So my brother, formerly the oldest, says, well, let me have the good news first. And so my brother had rehearsed this for a long time, and he said, well, the good news is I finally found the 600 million that dad left, which was a family myth and joke uh, when my father went batty off of uh, anesthesia. And so my brother says, well, that's terrific. How could, how could there be any bad news? And then my brother says, well, he left it to his oldest son, and you're not it. Which is technically a lie since his father and our father weren't the same. So anyway, I was going to then tell my younger brother, but I was, uh, I guess, a breath too late because my younger brother called me because he and my formerly oldest brother lived together in a big house in California. So he ran over and told him. So my oldest brother calls me first. Then my younger brother's clicking in, and my oldest brother, formerly the oldest, says to me, you cunt. You knew for six weeks, and you didn't tell me. And I said, Michael, you know, I couldn't tell you. You, you. I'm sorry, but I couldn't tell you. I promised Mom. I promised her. And he was really ticked off. And he says, well, I'm going to write my own damn book. And then my younger brother clicks in, and he says, you bitch. You knew all this time, and you didn't tell me. I said, Alex, I couldn't tell you. I swore to Mom I couldn't tell you. He says, oh, sure. He had a good life. He was wanted. He was raised by a great family, wouldn't it? And I said, what the hell's the matter with you? He, our father, you know, had a little bit of a temper. My, my little brother was jealous that this guy had been given up for adoption. And so, I have a crazy family. So anyway, um, they all meet finally. They all get together. I think it was Passover 2007 when we all got together and everybody met and everybody liked each other. And my brother, my new brother Mike, got to have his mother for three years before she passed. And I got this great story. Thank you. Now don't you act surprised Don't try to hide behind your big brown eyes You better open up your heart and let me in Let go of your doubts and let's begin To get this love poppin', love poppin' Once we start, there's no stopping, no stopping Don't you start thinking that I'm gonna let Oh,
So our next storyteller is Ozzy Gillian. Yeah. <laughs> Ozzy, Ozzy's well known here because, well, he, he, him and his wife have come through almost every show. Um, and his wife is an amazing, amazing uh, baker. She has a company called Cake is Life, and she catered one of our raw shows, and she has cupcakes here as well. You should definitely try them. They're the best cupcakes I've ever had. Yeah, she made, she made for me drunk cupcakes. They were full of, full of liquor, and it was amazing. People were stealing them at the end of the show. So Ozzy's here to share, share a story himself. So yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold your horses. <laughs> Very excited, very excited. He's a devoted, let me introduce you. He's a devoted father and husband, committed to constant growth together, and they started a cupcake business this year called Cake is Life, and you can find him on Instagram at Because Cake is Life, and the uh, name of his story is Don't Doubt It. Okay, now. Thank you. I'm sorry, son. We can't afford it. Were the last words I wanted to hear as a nine-year-old during Christmas time. I was the middle child of three brothers and an older sister. We were poor growing up. But I didn't know it at first because my mother, Fanny, never let us feel it. She's a small, petite, unassuming lady. However, temporary setbacks couldn't keep her down. She's extremely strong on the inside. By her being that way, I learned that fear and self-doubt are lies we tell ourselves. She had incredible willpower. She could find a way to be happy, loving, and caring, no matter what was going on. Close to uh, Christmas time, she would bake sweet potato pies. Not to be confused with pumpkin pie. It's a whole nother ball game. <laughs> She'd ask us what we wanted for Christmas. Of course, we named everything under the sun. But she would only buy us the one thing we were most excited about. Then go to the dollar store and purchase a ton of cheap toys. Her favorite trick was to buy a pack of those little small green soldiers that stood in place like, like this. For 50 cents, she could get hundreds of them. We thought we had it all. <laughs> we didn't always get everything we asked for, but poverty taught me that even though we didn't have much, we had each other. I remember one year, all I wanted was a BMX. It was a medium-sized 
racing bike with pegs on the wheels for doing tricks. That's when she told me, I'm sorry, we can't afford it. However, in a stroke of luck, my dad won one from a sweet stakes he entered at a Burger King. <laughs> one month after Christmas, they told me, do not let anyone ride. If you do, you're getting into serious trouble. The next day, I rode to a neighborhood corner store with a group of friends called Haney's to play arcade games. My aunt saw me. She said, what's up, Oz? Nice whip. Can I use it to ride over here and cash my paycheck? I looked at her. I said, I can't do it. My mama told me not to let nobody ride. <laughs> she said, oh, she probably just meant none of your friends. Plus, I'll give you $20 when I get back. I said, take it. <laughs> I thought to myself, I'm about to play Street Fighter all day. Then, she rode a block down the street and sold it for drugs right in front of me. When I got home, told my parents about it, they were still upset with me. I couldn't believe it. I was being punished for an adult taking my bike away. However, as a result of that situation, I learned a valuable lesson at an early age. Take accountability for your own actions. When I saw my aunt the next day, I just hugged her and ran off to play. I really wanted that bike, but more importantly, I wanted to see her get better. Eventually, she did find the strength to beat her addiction. For me, later that night, I had a nightmare. I fell asleep on our living room couch, then had this dream that suddenly a big hole opened up in my grandmother's backyard. And one by one, it sucked my entire family inside. I cried and told my mom about it. After seeing what my aunt went through, watching family go in and out of jail, I told her that I thought it meant drugs was gonna ruin our family. And that one day I hope to change that. 
she told me, son, listen, you are the type of person that can do anything you put your mind to. I wondered why she said that. It didn't dawn on me that most nine-year-olds didn't think that way. Maybe that's why I lost my hair. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't until 16 years later, when I was around 25, that I began to understand the power of the mind. I could clearly see that fear and self-doubt were the lies we told ourselves that ultimately held us back from getting what we wanted. For example, we all have inner strength. Anytime something or someone convinces you not to believe it, that's when you're lying to yourself. We're never truly powerless. In any situation, you are the deciding factor whether you will break down or keep trying. Your inner strength can't be taken, only given. And once I understood that, I began to set goals for myself and pursue them relentlessly. When I first started dating my wife, Corey, <laughs> she told me, you know, you're nothing like I thought you would be. Once we moved in together, she thought I was nuts. <laughs> she used to ask me, how can you wake up three o'clock in the morning, full of energy, and without even using an alarm clock? <laughs> I told her, any day, any second can be my last. Being alive is the first and most important opportunity you'll ever have. I could have temporary setbacks. Things can be taken away from me, but I don't care because as long as I'm breathing, I have a fighting chance. So I wake up every day and attack my problems until either they fall or I do. There's no in between. I think both my mother and father for giving me an inner gift that can't be taken away. I would also like to take this time, if you don't mind, to wish my mama, Fanny, an early Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you.
touch, your embrace, your face, I rip and flow. So we're going to try a new thing here at Raw Storytelling because since we're not having live shows, I want to keep the podcast going. So I encourage you to pitch your story anywhere you are in the world. doesn't matter if you're in South Florida or across the globe. Send in a pitch for your story at rawstorytelling.org slash storyteller. And just pitch us a story and I'm going to try to go directly from pitch to podcast. We'll see how it goes, but I definitely want to hear your stories on any theme. Actually, if they're even COVID themed, that's even better. But honestly, whatever story you have, I want to hear it. So yeah, go to rawstorytelling.org slash storyteller. That's it for this episode. Sign up for our newsletter at rawstorytelling.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rawstorytelling. Or follow our hashtag, Raw Storytelling. For the latest news, because honestly, things are changing every day around here, make sure to follow us. Thank you to DJ Sandoz for the audio recording of this show. Fabiola Lozada is our podcast editor, and Cafe Collective is our host venue. Oh, and if you want to hire me as a brand designer, because let's face it, the Raw Storytelling brand is fucking amazing, see more of my work at therawmade.com. Please, please, please leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. Every little bit helps. And if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, the show, or anything else regarding storytelling, email me at enid at rawstorytelling.org. That's E-N-I-D at rawstorytelling.org. The music you heard in this episode is by Monk Turner and other varied artists featured on our live show recordings. Until next time, keep it raw. I can't breathe, I can't see, unless you're with me.